Good evening. Good evening and welcome to church. Uh, you're welcome to KICC here in the greater Toronto area uh, where we're raising champions and taking territories. If you're joining us live, welcome. If you're stumbling on this broadcast at some other time, a big welcome to you also. We are so sure we're going to have a wonderful time in God's Word this evening. Welcome to our midweek service. And uh, very quickly, for those of you who have been watching, for those of you who have been sending in feedback on how the messages have blessed you, for those of you who have sent in testimonies, uh, we want to thank you because that feedback is, is necessary. All right. And we just want to thank you for being a part of what God is doing in our midst. And we hope to meet you soon and to see you soon. Uh, but we know uh, that there is an ongoing restriction on physical gatherings in, in light of the uh, pandemic uh, that the world is, is dealing with in the moment. All right. Um, so please maximize the time. Continue to stay connected to God's word as we have fellowship together online, as you have fellowship in your own space with your family. All right. Let's ensure that we keep the fire burning. Praise God. Praise God. So once again, welcome to church. Uh, we're going to have a nice time. Uh, we've always said that the church is not the buildings. We've always said that the church is not the uh, structure, but that the church is the people. And it's now time for all of us to prove it. And I'm so happy um, that it's been a time where there has not been a cessation of fellowship. And there hasn't been a cessation or a cancelling of, of having opportunities like this to dive in the words together. Um, so once again, thank you for joining us and welcome to church. Praise God. Praise God. Wherever you are, if you're in your house or if you're anywhere, whatever posture, just put your hand on your chest and say that I am a champion and God's promises for me still stand. Say it again. I am a champion and God's promises for me still stand. 2020 is not cancelled. As God lives, this will still be the best year of my life. I will never have a better yesterday. My tomorrow will be better than my yesterday. My testimonies for tomorrow will be greater than any testimony I've ever had in the past. In the mighty name of Jesus, so shall it be. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Before we delve into the word this evening, quick announcements. Quick announcements. So on Sunday... By God's grace, God keeping us on Sunday. I want you to listen now. This is not an instruction for you to go shopping. This is not an instruction for you to go to the grocery stores. All right, whatever you have in your house, we will make do with it. On Sunday, we're going to be having the Holy Communion service. We're going to be having the Holy Communion service together online. All right, so make available some form of juice or wine in your house. Whatever type you have in the house, should be fine. If you have bread, make available some bread. If what you have is wafers, make it available. Uh, just decide on what will be most appropriate given the circumstances. Please, we do not request of you to go out, do any specific deliberate shopping, looking for a particular type of wine or looking for a particular type of bread. No, please. All right. And it doesn't have to be a lot. All right. You can drink your juice later. You can enjoy your wine later. You don't have to go buy or go out all, all, all into it. All right. It's just a, a, a piece of the bread. We're going to bless it together. 
We're going to drink together. We're going to eat together. Uh, we're going to do this together. We're going to trust God for miracles together. All right? And I am confident that we're going to see the power of God flow uh, because we know there is no limit to the power of God. He is not bound by space. He is not bound by time. All right? So I'm looking forward to testimonies from that. So please, I'm saying this in advance so that you can prepare on Sunday also, we're going to remind you and maybe give a break, short break for you to organize uh, the materials together with your family. So that is instruction number one. Instruction number two also does not require you to do any shopping. Doesn't require you to do any shopping in your house. Whatever kind of oil you have in your house. I mean, we could have a conversation later about LV and unhealthy oils, all right? But whatever oil you have in your house, if it's vegetable oil, corn oil, um, canola oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, or olive oil, which is the one that most uh, ministries use as the anointing oil. All right, whatever one you have in your house, it doesn't have to be a big jar, just a little. Also get it handy on Sunday, and then we will pray on it and receive further instruction. All right, so I hope that is clear. We are making available the wine or some form of juice as a symbol to represent the blood. And we are making available some form of bread or some form of wafer as a symbol to represent the body. And together, we will be taking the Holy Communion. All right, instruction one. Instruction two, some form of oil that is already available in your house. Please don't say or you don't have to go shopping uh, for this specific purpose, all right? So please uh, put that to heart. Send this video everywhere. Tell your friends, loved ones, families to connect to what God is doing in our midst. And we are sure that very shortly after, we will be receiving testimonies from you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. So it's my pleasure to welcome you to midweek service this evening. Uh, just a few weeks ago when we started these live online broadcasts, uh, we started on a Wednesday, I believe, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, thereabouts. This is the third installment. All right. On the conversation that we made it true. We made it true. And in the very first part, uh, you can find the videos. Please feel free. All our messages are free. They're available on all your podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Mac, everywhere you find it. And also on our YouTube channel. Remember to subscribe and share. Freely, freely share. Praise God. All right, so the first conversation, how we made it through, we made a uh, deep dive discourse on the power of faith over fear. And now as a child of God, you must not give room to fear. That was the first installment. The second installment was how to be still and then to remember. To be still and then to remember. Today, by God's grace, we'll be going into the third installment. Next week, Wednesday, God keeping us. I will be alive. You will be alive. We will be in good health. If Jesus tarries, we will meet again on Wednesday to discuss the fourth installment before we wrap up this series and we'll begin a new conversation. All right? And our anchor scripture in our Wednesday midweek service discourse has been 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. A scripture you are very much familiar with. It says, God, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. All right? So in the first installment, we dwelt 
on God has not given us a spirit of fear. Please look for that message. It will bless you. All right. Next week, Wednesday, by God's grace, we'll go into what it means by power, love, and sound mind. That is what we're going to be discussing next week, Wednesday. But for today, the Lord has a word for you. The Lord has a word for you. And today's subtopic is take hold of the promise. Take hold of the promise. Remember last week, we said, be still. Remember his goodness. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his kindness. Remember his deliverance. Remember his covenant. All right. And today we are delving deeper on how to take hold of the promise. Praise God. Praise God. So I want to believe you have your Bibles, you have your notepads, you have your phones, you have your smart devices to take notes, and we are fellowshipping together. Let's say a quick word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for another opportunity we have to be in your presence. Thank you because you are God and you are a good God. You are a good Father. You are faithful. You are full of mercy. You are a gracious God. And we see your goodness in our lives. As we've come to our fellowship and to share together in your word, we ask for illumination. We ask for revelation. That by virtue of the word that we will hear, our lives will be transformed. In the mighty name of Jesus. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Praise God. So we made it true. We made it true. We are living in interesting times. So much uncertainty. All right. So much, so much, so much fear. So much valid fear. All right. So much experts' opinions flying around. And day by day, minute by minute, there's more data of infection, cases of deaths, all right, forecasts and curves. Many are wondering when the curve will begin to flatten and where we are on that curve, depending on what location of the earth you are. And all these inputs just flying at us, all right. But we have learned that God has not given us a spirit of fear. We've learned that it is a time to be still and to remember his goodness. Today, we are taking it a, a, a bit further as we change gears in our conversation. That beyond being still, every time you study deliverance of God's people in Scripture, there is a place for being still and there is a place for instruction that is backed by an action that seals that deliverance. I'm going, to, I'm going to repeat that again. After the place and position of stillness, there is a dynamic shift, even though it is still in stillness from a place of rest, but it involves taking a prophetic step that eventually brings in the deliverance. All right? And that's what we are going to be talking about today. That as we are still and we focus and we remember and we contemplate His promises, there begins to come a time that we need to get up and take hold of those promises. We get up and we take hold of those promises. Praise God. Praise God. So I'll just walk us through very quickly three dynamics we see of how deliverance happens in Scripture. The first dynamic is he laughs and then he speaks. He laughs and then he speaks. The second dynamic is he sleeps and then he decrees. He sleeps and then he decrees. The third dynamic is he still and then he stretches forth. He still and then he stretches forth. All right? And I'm just going to walk us through scriptures. For some of you just listening to this, you already know the scriptures. I'm going to. So let's walk through it together. Number one, he laughs and then he speaks. Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2. Let's take it from verse 1. Psalms chapter 2. Let's take it from verse 1. It says, why do the nations rage? 
and the people plot a vain thing. Let's just, let's just hold on there. Because there's someone listening under the sound of my voice. And you are really, really bothered about what the enemy is plotting against you. Against your family. Against your life. Against your children. Against your job. He's telling you you are going to be laid off. He's telling you this is going to be the worst period. He's telling you you are going to be sick. He's telling you you are going to lose a loved one. All sorts. Alright. Let me tell you the adjective the Bible uses. It says everything the enemy is plotting is a vain thing. It is a vain thing. Alright. So from that standpoint, you already see victory. Everything the enemy is plotting is a vain thing. Let's go to verse 2. It says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Let's go to verse 4. Now, this is very important. And, and we've said this before. Uh, I remember a song we used to sing some years back in Sunday school um, that it is the... Is it high time for the Christ, for the believer or the Christian to begin to laugh the devil? Ha, 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 ha. All right. There's a song like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I recall the song clearly. Verse 4 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. I want to hold on there first. Let's go back there. It says, He who sits in heavens shall laugh. Now, why is he laughing? He's laughing because he knows that what the enemy is plotting is a vain thing. And I just want to stand there for a, for a bit and encourage someone listening to me that the scare of the enemy is vain. That fear you feel, it is a vain thing. I know it feels real. I've, I've seen an acronym that says fear is false expectations appearing real. All right? It is a vain thing. And so the response is that like our father who is seated on the throne, we laugh at the devil. We laugh at the devil. However, after laughing, there comes another posture that involves a dynamic shift for us to lay hold on the promise. Let's see the next verse. It says, after laughing, it says, then he shall speak. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath. So it's not enough to stop at laughing. Beyond the laughter, then he shall speak. Apart that's what we're going to do this evening. As we've focused on faith over fear as we've learned to be still and to remember his promises now there comes a time to change posture and to get up and say devil i am not going to sit still while you torment me i am not going to sit still while you steal my peace i am not going to sit still while you bring all these funny things my way i am going to get up i laugh at you because i know it is a vain thing but i know you are a mischievous being and like my father i'm going to arise and do what speak I'm going to make decrees. Praise God. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Dear child of God, you must be speaking. Did you hear that? You must be speaking. Don't just soak things in. You must be speaking immediately. Immediately. You must be speaking. When those lies show up, that this is the end of you, you make a decree immediately. This is not the end. It satisfies me with long life. You, may, you are speaking immediately. He says you are going to be broke. You are going to be laid off. You say, no, that might be the reality. But my God, my God shall supply all my needs. Not according to my job. Not according to unemployment. Not according to a stimulus package. But according to his riches in glory. You are speaking. You laugh at the enemy's vain complexities. You laugh at the enemy's vain planning. But then you speak. You speak. 
Praise God. Praise God. Don't be quiet. Don't be quiet, dear child of God. I know some of you have gentle temperaments. You say things like, I'm an introvert normally. Yes, it's okay to be an introvert. But in life, the introvert in you needs to take that place of laughing and stillness. And there needs to be a warrior, a champion that gets up on your inside and begins to speak. We speak. Praise God. Praise God. Number one, he laughs and then he speaks. Number two, he sleeps and then he makes a decree. He sleeps and then he makes a decree. Let's go to Luke chapter 8 verse 22. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. We'll read it all the way to 24. Luke chapter 8, from verse 22 all the way to verse 24. It says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, that's talking about Jesus, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake and the launch out. Can you hold on there for a bit? Let's hold on there for a bit. Now, in the time of a storm, in a time of uncertainty, like the world is in right now. Sometimes, listen to me, follow me. Sometimes it is difficult to hear God in the middle of the storm. That's because everything around you is noisy. The news, noisy. Statistics, noisy. You turn to this place, you hear of another statistic. You turn to this place, you are wondering, when is this thing ever going to end? All right? There's so much uncertainty. So sometimes in the middle of the storm, it's difficult to hear. In moments like that, when you are not hearing properly or discerning what he is saying, what you do is you go back to hold on to what he has said. You go back and you hold on to what he has said. What did Jesus say here? He says, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Period. So the master has said, that we are embarking on a journey and the way this story ends is that we are going to be on the other side of the lake. Now, the devil hears that and sends a storm. Follow me, follow me. It means that every instruction, every promise that the Lord gives to you, the enemy is going to come to create a scenario around it just to suggest to you that it won't happen. Remember, it is a vain thing. It is a vain thing. You must remember it is a vain thing. However, the enemy is going to try. Now, Jesus told the disciples, we are going to the other side. The king of kings said, we are going to the other side. The Lord of lords said, we are going to the other side. The one who created the winds, the one who created water, who created the seas, who created everything. He said, we are going to the other side. You know what that means? It means we are going to get to the other side. I do not care how severe the storm is going to be. We are definitely going to get to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said so. The word of God said so. So at those moments where you're trying to process, oh, what, God is, what, what is God saying to me? You, tra you, tra you track back a bit. You trace back a bit. What has he said to me? And you hold on to it. He said, I'm going to get to the other side. Then definitely I'm going to get to the other side. This storm, it won't last. And it is my prayer that for as many under the sound of my voice today, any storm and every storm raging in your life, seeming, seeming intractable, seeming like it will never end. It is my prayer that by the power in the name of Jesus, today marks the end of such storms. In the mighty name of Jesus. So we will get to the other side. Let's move on. Verse 23. It says, but as they sailed, he, talking about Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water. And we're in jeopardy. Jeopardy. Verse 24. 
And they came to him and woke him up. Jesus was sleeping, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We are dying. We are losing hope. We are, we, are, we, are, we are getting more confused. We are trying to hold on. I mean, we didn't plan to disturb you at all. But the way things are going, we need your intervention. Master, we are perishing. The Bible tells us, then he arose. Initially, the posture was that of sleep and rest. It tells us, then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. It is my prayer that there will be a calm in your life. In the name of Jesus, this storm won't last. I want you to repeat it to yourself. This storm won't last. It might look like forever. I mean, uh, the, the last month, uh, March, looked like the longest month ever. But it, it won't last. It won't last. The storm won't last. The devil is a liar. The storm won't last. In the mighty name of Jesus. So there comes a time where we arise from that posture and then we make a decree. We make a decree. We make a decree with authority. And let me tell you, child of God, once again, you might be a gentle person, but you have to make a decree. You have to get up and speak to the storm. He says he rebuked the storm. You have to get up, get up and make a decree. Praise God. Talking about decrees, you know, one of the issues that the Pharisees or the people at the time of Jesus, one of the issues they had with him was that he spoke with authority. Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. You know, I was listening to Pastor Matthew talk about this. Jesus spoke with authority. He just spoke with authority. I don't know if they have it on the screen. He just spoke with authority. He says, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. There was a way their scribes taught. There was a way their teachers taught them. Their teachers taught them always referencing according to the teachings of Rabbi this or Rabbi that. Therefore, uh, you know, this, uh, this illustration reminds me of a time uh, when I was in medical school and I was working on a project and I had a project supervisor and I uh, was asked to write chapter one, which is like an introduction brief into the discourse that I was looking to investigate. And then I had just one project supervisor like most normal students do and I had submitted my proposal for chapter one and then I just got a call from my supervisor and he said he needed to see me okay you need to see me and then I got into his office that day I was I just rounded up clinic and I got into his office and I saw four or five people I knew I had one supervisor, but all of them were just interested in, in seeing this boy. Who is this boy? Who does he think he is? All right. And they called me in, and he said, you wrote this thing? I said, yes, I wrote this thing. He said, are you familiar with research? I said, well, yes, I'm, I'm quite familiar with research. He said, number one, your topic is unconventional. I'm not going to tell you what my, my, my project topic was. It's not very... He said, your topic is unconventional. I was, I was curious. My main interest was why are all these other supervisors here? And then while my supervisor was trying to speak calmly and trying to walk me through everything, another lady in the room who was someone else's supervisor, she just blurted out in impatience as though, why are you being calm with him? She just turned and said, who are you? Who do you think you are? I looked at her and I smiled. She said, how oh, can you write a complete proposal without referencing anybody? I said, what do you mean, ma? She said, you didn't reference anybody. You're telling us, based, I'm, I'm trying to avoid my topic, all right, but I'm trying to, to paint a scenario. If you are saying this, you have to reference someone who said it before. 
And you're saying this, you have to reference someone who said it before. So I said, okay, is that, is that the only problem? Say yes. He said, you've written such a powerful introduction, but you need to go back and reference it. So I took my, 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 my draft submission, took it back. All I had to go and do was to look for someone who is a professor or someone who has academic credibility, who has said something similar to what I was saying and referenced them as though I was, you know, referring to their thoughts. That's how referencing works. So this scripture is telling us that the way the rabbis thought, they were always referencing someone else, referencing someone else. But then this guy shows up and he's just speaking with audacity. And apart from the content of what he's saying and the power behind his words, they are wondering, he's not even quoting anybody. He's not even referencing anybody. Well, he is the word. The word only references the word. So as he says it, it is. Sometimes he's saying, according to the prophets, he's saying, but even the prophets, even the law, everything talks about me. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. He spoke with authority. They had issues with him. I'm sure Jesus' temperament, he was a gentleman. But when he came to speak, he spoke with authority. The authority was noticeable. And I'm talking to you, child of God. There, are, there comes a time in your life where you get up and you speak with authority. Where you get up and you tell the enemy, enough is enough. Enough is enough. You've had a field day in this family. Enough is enough. We've, we've suffered. Our health in this lineage has been tormented. Enough is enough. Let me tell you, every generational trend, there needs to be a generation that makes a decision and says it ends here. There are things your children should not have to deal with just because you have settled it. It is my prayer for everyone listening and connected under the sound of my voice that what we will pass on to our children will be a good inheritance. In the mighty name of Jesus, every generational trend of negativity, every generational trend of courses and patterns and trends, it ends in the mighty name of Jesus. So there's a time of sleeping. There's a time when you arise and you make a decree. You rebuke the storm. Praise God. I say praise God. Number three, dynamic. Be still and then you stretch forth. Be still and then you stretch forth. Be still and then you stretch forth. Exodus chapter 14. Be still, and then you stretch forth. Exodus chapter 14. Let's take it from verse 13. Um, it says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Praise God. Praise God. That's a good place to say amen. The Egyptians you see today, you shall not see again forever. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know, sometimes I wonder how churches in Egypt read scriptures like this. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is a live recording. We have to be serious. But imagine if he was talking about Canadians. And we are here and we are reading the Canadians, you see. You have to understand that these are symbolic, all right? This is symbolic. For you, the believer today is symbolic of a system of slavery that held you down in your past. That there is a deliverance that can be permanent and that you don't have to go back to it. And that is my prayer for you. That what you've been delivered from, you are delivered completely. You are not going back. The enemy will threaten you and he'll say, no, it's going to come back. It's gone before. Have you forgotten? It's gone before. And now it's back. That symptom is back. That sign is back. Go back. Go back to the hospital. All right. All sorts of, of fears and scares. All right. But we stand on the authority of the word of God. He says, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Let's go on. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Verse 16. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now we know the story ends. But this was mission. This, this was a crazy instruction to Moses. You are looking at, I'm not talking of a swimming pool. I'm not talking of a lake. I'm not talking of a beach, you know, um, recreation beach. This is the full mammoth of a proper ocean, the Red Sea. And the Lord tells him to stretch forth. And in the same way, there is a place of stillness and there's a time where you have to stretch forth. So a situation that looks impossible, I am going to insist on what the Word of God says. And I have the authority to announce to you um, this evening that you are going to walk on dry ground. What that means is that you will come out and you will even smell of fire in the mighty name of Jesus. Concerning you, concerning your loved ones, concerning your families, uh, this period, this hardship, this turmoil in the world, it will pass and you will pass through in the name of Jesus. You will even be wet, you won't smell of flames, you won't smell of fumes. Uh, if instead, like gold, we are coming out stronger. We are coming out purer. We are coming out more refined. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. So our making it true involves prophetic actions. It involves taking steps. Do not forget, we speak the word after laughing. We make a decree after sleeping. We stretch forth after being still. We take prophetic actions. Praise God. Praise God. Now in quality management systems, I, I, I don't know what the experts call it. It's all, we also use it as a, as a um, methodology in medicine. There's something called early warning signs. Early warning signs. And the whole idea of an early warning sign is that you are not realizing the impact of an event when things have gone beyond um, control measures. For, for, for example, the pandemic the world is in today didn't start as a pandemic. Pan means across all. All right? It didn't start as an as a pandemic started as a local event and then a widespread breaking forth local event which is an epidemic and now it's a pandemic meaning that if the world had paid attention to the early warning signs early warning signs then we won't have a full-blown scale of what it is today and why, why am i saying this to you as a child of god there is a time or there comes a time where you ought to pay attention to your life and to events in your life, events in your family, the things bringing you fear, the things bringing you unrest, the things keeping you at wake at night, the, the, the things making you to wet your pillows, the things that have remained on your prayer point list for years. All right, there comes a time where you pay attention to those things and you are like, how did I get here? What are the signs that I possibly missed? You know, I love a proverb in my native language. I'm going to try to interpret it in English um, so that you can make sense of it. Um, it says that a war that is foretold in advance will not kill 
a crippled person. Please pardon me for those who know the proverb. Pardon my interpretation. I'm sure I've done a bad job, but just manage it. All right. It says, a word that is foretold in advance. That means for the one who pays attention to early signals, all right, it will not kill a cripple. The cripple knows that I can't run. So if there is news of war, before the war comes, let me start taking those gentle, gentle lips. He says it won't kill a cripple. It might kill the one who has a full functioning limb because they're like, oh, whatever is going to happen, I could just run. You know, last minute, I could just run. That is not an attitude that you should bring to your spiritual work. That is not an attitude that you should bring to your spiritual work. We laugh at the devil and then we speak words. You don't wait for things to get to a point of complete deterioration and now suddenly you are ready to fast 21 days. Now suddenly you are ready to sleep in the church for three days and three nights of fasting and prayer. No, dear child of God, do not wait for matters to deteriorate in your life. Do not wait for matters to deteriorate in your family. All heaven needs is one man to stand in the gap and to ensure that there is a looming sign of the end of the adversary in this situation. We've laughed at the enemy. We are sleeping. We know God is in control, but we have to arise now and take our place and ensure that the enemy knows this is no go area. This is no, this family is no go area. This child is no go area. They are parents. Parents listening to me. You've seen the hand of God upon the life of a child, one of your children, all right? It's clear to you. You know it, all right? And you see the enemy fighting that child. You hear the reports from their teachers. You hear the report from their peers. It is not a time for you to fold your hands and say, all will be well. You know, things will get better. It is well. No, 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 no. It is time for you to arise and take the bull by the horn, enter into your office as a prophet, enter into your office as a priest. Get into that space Make the crease as a king and shift things in the supernatural. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So the big question is, how do I know if this is an early sign that the enemy is in the vicinity? Well, let me tell you, if you have a destiny that is worth anything, the enemy is going to come after you. I know you do not want to hear that. If you have a destiny, and many times the enemy sees it before we see it. Before we come to appreciate or believe God. The enemy picks the trigger and he begins to fight you early. All right. But we have the victory. I said we have the victory. Praise God. We have the victory. So two things as we begin to tie up this conversation this evening. Two things. How do you know whether this is the end of the enemy or, or if this is um, a point in my curriculum where God is training me? where God is molding his nature in me. Two things very quickly. And please, if you've not been paying attention before, if you've been watching the broadcast and simultaneously watching Netflix, or if you've been baking and trying to connect to the service, all right, please complete your baking, pause your series or whatever it is you're watching. It is time to pay full attention. It is time to pay full attention. Praise God. Number one thing that is expected of you as a child of God is that you must constantly keep the fire on your altar burning. You must constantly keep the fire on your altar burning. The attitude of a lot of Christians today is that we go days and weeks without any fire on our altar. 
And then when trouble begins to show, we try to shake it off with motivation. Oh, I'll be fine. Things will go well. And when we see things really getting to the barest minimum, then we enter desperation mode. And then at that point, we are willing to do anything. The same person who couldn't fast for one day till 12 o'clock is suddenly ready to fast 21 days now because things are literally here. And then they've got into a place of desperation. They will literally do anything. It gets so bad, some of them say, oh God, you are too slow. God, you are too slow. And you see a child of God genuinely, seriously, considering, considering it for the first time in their lives, wondering, how did I even get here? The fire on your altar must never go out. You must keep it burning. Now, don't get me wrong. There's someone listening to me and you're saying, well, I know that that fire has been non-existent. I know it has been non-existent. In the past few weeks, I've had the opportunity to ask myself questions. And I think it's time to repair, to fix my relationship with God. Is he going to chastise me and say, you are just running to me in the day of trouble? Guess what? His word says that you should run to him in the day of trouble. And he guarantees you that that trouble will go. However, when the trouble is gone, stay with him. Stay with him. Nurture your altar. Ensure that there is constantly fire on your altar. Praise God. Leviticus chapter 6. Leviticus chapter 6. Talking about the instructions for the shadow. The old covenant. He says in verse 12. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order on it. And it shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Let's see verse 13. It says, and fire shall always be burning. Always be burning. Always be burning. Yes, there are times when the Spirit of God will stare you to go on a personal retreat. To maybe ramp things up. To go on a quick seven-day prayer and fasting. Or to do something really, really heightened. There's something coming. There's a big transfer, shift in the supernatural. Yes, there will be those moments. But that we are doing nothing and just waiting for the next announcement. That we are doing nothing, just waiting. No, no, no. It says, fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. As you begin to fix your altar and rebuild what has been broken, it is my prayer that the grace to stay in the place of fellowship be released to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, the grace to stay in the place of fellowship, to keep your fire burning day and night, day and night, day and night, be released to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, praise God. The second thing you need to pay attention to is settle in your mind. Settle. Now, this is a lot more difficult. If this is a physical action, you could literally get up now, do it, and go back to your seat. This isn't a physical action. This is a mental action. This is, a, this is an action that requires you working on your psyche, working on your understanding and processing of events. And what is it that you need to process? You must settle some foundational issues in your life that God's will for you, God's will, God doesn't use suffering, God doesn't use turmoil, God doesn't use affliction to train his children. I need you to get that to sink deep down in your heart. So that when you see any sign of affliction, you have the right diagnosis and you know what it is. And then you can get up and deal with it accordingly. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't use affliction to teach you any point. 
God doesn't use affliction. He doesn't use torture. No, it is not in his nature to do that. There are foundational issues that you must settle deep down in your mind. That sickness, that condition in your body, it is not training. It is not spiritual training. It is not supernatural training. Dear child of God, as I'm saying these words, I know you are pushing back against it because you know somebody, you know a child of God who is dealing, yes, yes. Those are realities, but that is not the truth of God's word. Follow me. Follow me. You have to settle this mentally. Mentally, that God, God's will for you is to enjoy good health. Praise God. Praise God. Why am I saying this? Whatever it is you see in your life remains because you have permitted it. As insensitive and as unnice and unpleasant as that may sound, some of you believe there's some circumstance beyond your control. That might be the fact, but the truth is that God has given to you the authority. So the final authority is in your hands. If you continue to permit it, it will remain. If you continue to explain it away, it will remain. You know there are Christians who don't fast. They don't fast. They have health conditions and they can't fast. Now, let me tell you, if you have any health condition, if you have any health condition that prevents you from fasting, then you have a matter in your hands that you have to settle very quickly. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. The pastor comes and says, oh, we're announcing a three-day fast or a seven-day fast or a 21-day fast or a month-long fast like we do here in KICC, 30 days all right? And as the pastor is making the announcement, you see somebody there is just smiling. <laughs> I'm not going to fast. I don't fast. You know? And the pastor is being very reasonable. He says, please, if you have any pre-existing medical conditions, consult with your family physician before you embark on this fast. And the, you're just there smiling. I'm not going to fast. I know I'm not going to fast. I have a condition. My condition allows me not to fast. Pastor knows um, God knows, everybody knows, so I'm not going to fast. Now, let me just be very clear, clear with you. Let me clear with you. Your destiny is at stake. Did you hear me? Your destiny is at stake. Uh, let me share a personal testimony with you. A couple of years back, I, I was an exchange student in another country, a predominantly Islamic country, and our hosts were extremely nice, extremely nice. We went there in the period of Ramadan, and they were very considerate. They knew that some of the exchange students may not be practicing Ramadan. So they made it available for us to have access to food, both to eat in the morning and to take away to our rooms. They were very considerate. And in that period, because of the dynamic of the timing and the carelessness of the volume, all right, that I was trying to ensure that I had enough. few days after the exchange program was done, I noticed some symptoms in my body. And I knew what it meant. I knew what the diagnosis was. And for a couple of years, listen and follow me, for a couple of years after that, I couldn't fast properly. I couldn't fast properly. And there's somebody listening to me. You, you can't fast beyond 12 o'clock. The moment is 11 a.m. It's as if you are going to die. Let me tell you, do not laugh at it. Do not smile it away. Do not say, oh, pastor understands. My family physician says I have peptic ulcer disease. I have gastroesophageal reflux disease. Uh, my diagnosis is Zollinger-Ellison syndrome. Hey, hey, 
Do not accept any diagnosis that the word of God has not given you. I need you to listen to that again. Every attempt of the enemy to prevent you from being able to fast has robbed you of a large possibility of you fulfilling your destiny. In my own story, I came to a point where I said, God, no, I cannot continue with this. How will I exist like this? And I won't be able to fast. It means that the enemy has seen something in my future. And he said, we need to feed him. Let's feed him. Let's feed him to destruction. Eat. Continue eating. Which a lot of us are doing, especially in this lockdown period. You buy groceries for two weeks. And in two, <laughs> in two days, it's gone. Hey, it's time to call a fast. It's time to call a fast. Not to save food. Not to conserve food. There are destiny matters at stake here. Do not accept any health condition as normal. Do not accept any health condition. I'm going to repeat it again. Dear child of God, do not excuse yourself from fasting. Can I just give you three reasons very quickly why you must fast? Why your destiny is at stake? Can I, can I give you three reasons very quickly? This is not a, a teaching on fasting, I know. But I think somebody listening to me needs to hear this. You need to call a fast. You need to call a fast. Someone here, and, and please also listen to me. Ensure that you are medically cleared to, to fast. The point I'm making is not for you to disobey your doctors. The point is do not accept it as normal. And do not rejoice that the fasting announcement to the church doesn't involve you, doesn't concern you. Others can fast, but you are excluded. Do not accept that. Let me just show you three scriptures very quickly. At some other time, God willing, we might be able to delve deeper into fasting. Let me just show you three scriptures why the child of God might fast. Must fast. You know, you meet some Christians and they say things like, you know, you guys fast too much. We are at rest. You know, we understand the finished work of Christ, so we don't fast let me tell you what you don't understand the finished work of Christ. You, you, what you understand is the enemy's plan to finish your destiny. That, that is the only thing you understand. You are a child of God and you have biblical reason not to fast, then you are in trouble. Let me show you three reasons. Let's go to Ezra very quickly. Number one, reason why you must fast as a child of God, it gives you credibility before unbelievers. It gives you supernaturally sourced, divinely sourced credibility before unbelievers. Let's see the scripture. Ezra chapter 8, 21 to 23. I need to move faster now because of our time. Then I, this is Ezra speaking. Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river of Ahaba, there that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Now he tells us why. It tells us it, it, it was not just a religious fast. It tells us why. It says, For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy. I was afraid to deploy physical means of protection when fasting is there. It says, Because we had spoken to the king, we had bragged to the king, our God is powerful. We've told the king, the hand of our God is mighty. The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. We've bragged on our God. We've said our God is great. Our God is mighty. Oh, the same people you told your God is great and your God is mighty are the same people you are going back to beg from. Something is wrong somewhere. Fasting gives us credibility to insist on the power and the might of our God in the presence of unbelievers. Praise God. 
Praise God. Let's just see verse 23. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. It is my prayer that the Lord will answer your prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus. Number two reason, very quickly, this is like a message within a message. So you can call it inceptive message. All right. Now, that's a dry joke. I know today is Wednesday. <laughs> Praise God. Number two, why do we fast? We fast to reveal the manifest presence of Christ. The manifest presence of Christ. Now we know that God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. However, his manifest presence, his manifest presence as protocols, his manifest presence as protocols. And one of the key components of the protocol of ensuring his manifest presence is fasting. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. They had come to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, we see John. We see the Pharisees. They are calling three-day fast, seven-day fast, ten-day fast, nine-day fast, forty-day fast. You and your disciples are just eating, eating, eating. What's going on? So that's the background. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But you and your disciples, well, they didn't say you. Maybe they were aware that Jesus was fasting. It says, but your disciples do not fast. That's talking about us, the followers. Now let's go on. Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? It says, now focus on this. I know you've read this scripture before. It says, but the days will come. Somebody say the days will come. It's not saying the days may come. There might be a time when fasting will become optional. It says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then for them to reproduce his manifest presence as though he were with them, then they will fast. Can you see that? Then they will fast. Number three reason very quickly, which is a scripture also that a lot of people have been quoting in this pandemic. I just want to show you why fasting is connected to it. Um, number three reason, supernatural insight or what we call divine intelligence. Divine intelligence. Supernatural insight or divine intelligence. Let's go to Acts 27 verse 22. A lot of people have been quoting this scripture and I believe it is the will of God for us in this season. It says, and I, now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you. I stand as one ordained by God and I speak prophetically into the life of everyone under the sound of my voice that there will be no loss of life. In the mighty name of Jesus, in your circles, in your family, there will be no loss of life. In the name of Jesus, praise God. He says, but only of the sheep. Let's read verse 23. For there stood by me this night. Now, that is supernatural intel. Intelligence by the Spirit. Now, this is Paul saying, I'm not just standing here to tell you there will be no loss because I feel like there will be no loss. I'm not just telling you there will be no loss because that's the motivational thing. Paul is saying, I'm not, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not just telling you, it's going to get better. It's going to get... No, no, no. He's saying, I have supernatural intel backing by the Spirit of God revealing to me through, the, through his angel at night to whom I belong and whom I serve. In verse 24, you could add it if you, if you will. But he's saying that the source of my intelligence 
is that an angel of the Lord appeared to me. Now, how did all of that happen? Let's go to verse 21. Let's go to verse 21. Before he had the audacity to say there will be no loss. Or before the audacity he, he, he had based on, on the information he had received by the Spirit of God. Verse 21. I want you to see this in your Bible. This is Paul. The Apostle Paul. He says, but after long abstinence from food. Now, that doesn't sound like waking up at 6 a.m. and eating at 11. This to me doesn't even sound like a one-day fast or a two-day fast. It doesn't tell us the number of days, but it gives it an important adjective. It says, after long abstinence, after long abstinence from food. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So you have to fast. Don't accept those health conditions. Don't accept those limiting patterns. Another pattern many people accept is that God wants me to be poor. All these churches that teach, you know, prosperity, gospel, blah, 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 blah. God needs me to be poor. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. A spirit-filled believer who is blessed with resources is an amazing tool in the hands of God in these end times. A spirit-filled, tongue-talking, demon-chasing believer who is broke, who is broke, is a liability to himself, herself, to the kingdom, and also to the welfare of that country. Did you hear that? Your poverty doesn't glorify your father. Get it, get it out, snuff it out of your mind. Anyways, you can't be a member of this church and, and, and be wondering whether God wants you blessed. You can't be, you can't know, you can't be. You can be. By the time you become a member of this family, we begin to pump the word of God into you. Where you begin to see your mentors and the pedigree from which you've been cut from. People like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus. And you see that we have no example of poverty in our bloodline. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's amazing. You're speaking in tongues, casting out demons, and somebody just needs a few hundred dollars for something. And you're saying, God sees my heart. God sees my heart. He sees it. If I had it, I'll have given it to you. Hey, child of God, God's plan is for you to have it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, God is able to make all grace to abound towards you. That you, at all times, in all ways, having all sufficiency, will abound to every good work. To every good work. Some of you are listening and you are saying, I wish more people could hear this word. Alright, how else will we get the gospel on the waves? How else will we get the gospel in crusades, in our campuses, universities? How else are we going to do that? How else? Because kingdom work requires kingdom supply, kingdom finance. Do not accept this slave-driven mentality of the enemy. You see believers working, working on Monday, working on Tuesday, working Wednesday, working Thursday, working Friday, working Saturday, working Sunday. They show up at church once, once a month. Sometimes once in two months. And you find the same people saying, honest, prosperity, people. All right? They are fighting the information that can build them to become creators of wealth. To have money working for them and not them working and slaving for money. Praise God. Praise God. So do not accept it, please. That's the summary. D don't accept poverty. Don't accept sickness. Don't say this is normal. Praise God. I know it's been a long conversation, but I hope you've been blessed this evening. You have to get up and lay hold of the promises. Somebody, somebody has to get up and I'm hoping it is going to be you. That you will not just sit down and fold your hands waiting for things to pass. 
but that you will stand up in the prophetic office and you begin to make decrees. And you will insist that the storm be seized. You will insist that the storm be seized. You will insist that the sea be parted. You will insist, you must insist that the judgment of God will come upon the enemy and that his hand will be taken off your life, taken off your family, taken off your children, taken off your finances, taken off your peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I think it's a good place to stop. We made it true. We made it true. Do not doubt for a second. Do not doubt for a minute. We made it true. We made it true. Wherever you are, I want you to say to yourself, I came out of this triumphant. I came out of this victorious. The enemy did not win this, but my God gave me the victory. My God gave me the victory. He delivered me. He came down and pulled me out of deep waters. He delivered me from the enemy that was too strong for me. My God gave me the victory. Glory to God. And that will be our testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you. This word that has come your way has stirred you up, I believe. Stirred you up on the inside. Now it is time to take action. Allot a time for fire on your altar. Ask God for the grace. His grace is sufficient. For those of you that have health conditions in your body, preventing you from serving God optimally, from fasting and being involved in spiritual discipline, I'm going to pray with you very quickly. For those of you who have had financial difficulties, you know the only reason why you are not serving God the way you ought to is because of your bills. You know if there was some, and that's why the enemy doesn't want you to receive this message. You know that if there was a way your bills were met, your family was sorted, you know that you will serve God better. You know, you know, you feel like the hand of the enemy is on your finance and the devil just needs you distracted and engaged and running from one place to another place. Now, don't get me wrong, we believe in dignity of labor, but we also believe in wealth creation, that we, sh we shouldn't continue to work for money all the days of our lives. We cannot depend on Egypt. You say, woe to him. Praise God. Praise God. If you do not mind, I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. But before I do, I just want you to begin to thank the Lord for the words that you've received this evening. Say, Father, thank you for your word. His word has come like hammer to liberate. Like hammer to liberate. Like hammer to liberate. His word has come to stir you up. To stir you up. To stir you up. That beyond laughing at the enemy, you speak words of power. Words of power. That beyond sleeping and that position of rest, still in a position of rest, you arise and you begin to make proclamations and you rebuke the winds. You rebuke the storm. That beyond being still, you get up. You get up. You rouse yourself in power and in strength and you stretch forth. And that the seas of difficulty, the seas of impossibility become parted. Say, Father, thank you for your word. I know your word is true. I believe this is your word for me. Gracious Father, exalt your name. For in Jesus' name we are afraid. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. You under the sound of my voice? I like this sounds all nice, but I don't get it. Who is this Jesus? And what exactly does he want? Someone else is saying, I've given my life to Christ before, but shortly after, I picked it up. And I want to invite you to make the best decision of your life. Not just to give him your life, but to receive his life. When you receive his life, your life changes forever. It changes forever. You become empowered by his spirit. You come alive in a new way. The Bible puts it this way. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
All right, there is newness available for you. And this is the best time. Don't think you are running to him because of fear. Don't think it's because there is a pandemic. Is this a panic decision? Is this a panic salvation? No, it's not. Today is a good day for salvation. And I'd like to pray with you. When at the sound of my voice, you are there. You are saying, I've lived a terrible life. I'm not the kind of person God can forgive. You're saying, oh, if only God knew my past. If only God knew the amount of amends I need to make to please him. No, no, no. He's saying, come, come, come as you are. And I'm able to change you by my spirit. I'm able to empower you by my grace to live a life that pleases me. Come. That's the invitation this evening. Come. It's a good day. Come, come, come. Father, I agree with your children, your sons and your daughters who are making that decision. Some for the very first time. Some maybe for the hundredth time. And they are wondering, how long will I struggle? How long will I remain in sin? I agree with them and stretch forth my faith that they receive you as Lord and Savior. As they acknowledge you as the one who has delivered them from their sin. That you died on the cross. You were buried for days. On the third day, you got up, you rose again. And that you're alive today to supply them with your spirit and with the ability to please you. I ask that by your power, they become a part of your family. In the mighty name of Jesus, and all praise be unto your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. The last category, very quickly, and be mindful of our time. Last category, you're here, you're saying, there's this health condition in my body. I know it gets in the way of me serving. It affects the quality of my service. I can't fast. I can't pray. I get tired after standing. I have these diagnoses. All right, it is warfare. Or you're here, you're saying that I've been too broke for too long. There's even no time to serve God. Now that you've mentioned it, I see this is the end of the enemy. I don't have time for devotion. I'm out in the morning. 4 a.m. Out. I'm getting back 12 midnight. Tired. Even on Sundays, no time. No time for a relationship. I need to be delivered from this rat race. I'm going to pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your children. Acknowledging that they need you. They need you. That the hand of the enemy on their lives must be cut short this very moment. I rebuke every health condition, every situation in their bodies, in their mortal bodies. And I command you to be quickened. In the name of Jesus, that our affliction ends today. Whatever name the disease or the diagnosis goes by, we curse it in the name of Jesus. He says he himself bore our sins in his body. He was wounded for our afflictions. He was wounded for our diseases. By his stripes, we were healed. I bring your children into the covenant of healing. And I pray for supernatural intervention in their lives. In the name of Jesus, that today, will be the last they will see of that disease. Today will be the last they will see of that condition. For as many were struggling in the rat race and saying, I'm working more hours, I can't get ends to meet. This seems like a revolving, unending toil. It is my prayer that deliverance comes to you. You are delivered from toil, you are brought out, and you are brought into a spacious place. In the mighty name of Jesus, all grace is made to abound towards you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father.
For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Please get in touch. Get in touch. If you've made that decision to become a part of God's family, get in touch. We would love to pray with you. Send us a message on any of our social media platforms. Call the church office. Send an email. Just get in touch somehow. All right? I would love to, 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 to connect with you and continue the conversation. If you receive the healing in your body, testify. Let it encourage someone that God is still in the healing business. If you receive deliverance, insights that will pull you out of the rat race, testify. We can't wait to hear from you. And we believe that God will keep you. I speak peace and divine protection over you and your household. In the mighty name of Jesus, once again, there shall be no loss. I say, there shall be no loss in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Such a pleasure. If this is your church and you would like to pay your tithes or to give your offering, the portals are still available. You can do that online. You can do that through email. I'm sure you'll find instruction. All right, praise God. Do not do this grudgingly or out of compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. By God's grace, we will be here 10 a.m. on Sunday for a powerful, powerful time in the Word, anointing and holy communion service. Until then, the grace of the Lord keep you. God bless you. Remember, you're a champion. And it is still our year. Thank you so time. much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at K-I-C-C-Canada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.